Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. Welcome back. Hey, peeps. So we have a special guest with us today. I'm going to let Phyllis introduce her. Yes, I am so honored that um, Mabel Nainen is coming to our podcast today. I met Mabel through one of my writer groups and just wanted to do a quick little intro on her. Mabel was born and raised within the minority Christian community in India. Mabel moved to America in 2008, and as she struggled to fit in and longed for rootedness and belonging, God opened her eyes to the fact that she was a spiritual immigrant too, a foreigner on earth who does not belong in this world. Her mission is to encourage believers to embrace their immigrant journey on earth and live out their calling with boldness and passion. Mabel's writings explore the intersection between faith, culture, and identity. Her articles have been published in cbn.com, The Upper Room, Encourage Me in Leading Hearts Magazine. She's a contributor to Guideposts. I'm so impressed with that. (laughs) Upcoming book, All God's Creatures, 2022, Daily Devotionals for Animal Lovers. Mabel is currently pursuing an MA in Theological Studies from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. A lover of books, Zumba, and tea, Mabel lives in Northern California with her husband, her nine-year-old son, and a Maltese dog. Welcome, Mabel. Mabel, I love Zumba. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are Are you you there? there? Hello. Oh, oh, sorry, I was on mute. (laughs) I was like, did I did I did I offend with my Zumba? I thought, oh no, we lost her already. Oh, so good to have you here oh, today. Gla- <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I love Zumba. Yeah, <laughs> and Bollywood too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll have to show us some moves, yeah, girl. Yeah, I would actually really like to do that. I'm, I'm you know, trying to make my waist thinner, so <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen. I just had tacos, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, so um, a while back, I know we met in uh, our ASA class, Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, and um, yeah. and I know that you signed a contract for your first nonfiction book, Far From Home, Discovering Your Identity as Foreigners on Earth, which I love that mm-hmm. title so much. And I remember, yeah, I remember listening to parts of your story and I was just drawn to it. So I'm so happy you're here. And I just wanted you to share with us a little bit about your background and how you struggled as someone coming from India to America. Yeah, Um, I mean, like, like you mentioned in the introduction, I was born and raised in a Christian family Mm -hmm. um, in the city of Hyderabad in South India. And um, I often say I was born with a silver spoon. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I was born in a rich family, but just 
uh, I think it, it's a blessing to be born to parents who are believers and who are Christians. So my mom mm. um, raised us to be passionate about God and she started talking to us about Jesus and the Bible and, wow. you know, we were babies. And so I never really had to um, struggle and search for God. Um, mm. And I, I accepted Christ at a very young age, maybe I was six or seven years old. And so I had a very traditional, like a Christian upbringing, Sunday school and uh, Bible studies and youth retreats and camps and family devotions, all these, um, you know, activities were, were part of my life. And um, except for the three years that I spent studying and working in another city, for the most part of my life, I was in one place, in, in one ge- geographical location, you know, just right. rooted and settled, um, had my um, network of friends. Um, church was like second family to me. You know, we all, mm. uh, a group of friends had grown up together. We know each other's parents and siblings. Mm. Um, and so I felt I was even spiritually rooted and I thought I was really secure in my faith and mm and that I knew uh, Jesus, and I was on fire uh, mm. for God when I was in my you know, late 20s or so, until I met my husband, and then we moved to America, mm. uh, and we were married only a few months um, before we moved here. And so I was excited because, you know, um, I want to explore a new country, I want to start my new life, start a new life with my husband here in America, and it was... Um, adventurous and exciting at first but very quickly I started to feel the effects of being uprooted and um, loneliness set in I was homesick um, and I've never before I think experienced such a desperate need for community mm. um, because really I mean I landed here and I knew no one and, right you know as a joke we Indians, we Indians say that we have friends and relatives everywhere and Technically, I did, but you know, someone in New Jersey, someone here, someone there, nobody really lived close to us. Mm. Um, And I think another thing that um, added to my problems was the fact that I realized that while in India, I was just another brown-skinned girl. In America, I stood out. Yeah. And that puts a different kind of stress, the kind that I'm not... I was not used to, mm-hmm. um, and it affected the way I saw myself because it mm-hmm. changed the way I thought others were perceiving me, and mm-hmm. so that made me conscious of my looks and accent, and um, I think all these struggles came as a surprise to me, and like yeah. I said earlier, I thought I was a strong, independent woman, you know, Jesus right. was my best friend, and I could take anything on. Um, so I was really surprised to see how um, how seriously I was taking um, taking it, you know this this big change that had just happened in my life and how seriously it was affecting me. Um, yeah, I think too. One other thing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was just saying that. Um, Starting from scratch is good when, you know, you don't have a great past, right? Right. But I felt like I was given a clean slate when I didn't want a clean slate. I was Mm -hmm. proud of what I had accomplished uh, in my work life. Uh, I'd worked for eight years in the corporate world in in India before I came here. 
I had important, you know, ministry roles in in my church, and so when when I moved here, many of those um, skills and experiences I found were not transferable. It was mm. as if I had to build myself from scratch, and so what that does is, uh, or what that did to me was, it made me question my self worth and. I felt less valued and less important. I was not being productive because I was used to always working and doing something right. important and useful, and that didn't. Uh, so I felt like I was not contributing to anyone, to anything, um, and that I was just um, worthless. Yeah. And, and what made it worse in my situation was that we moved a lot, even um, within the country in America. Usually, mm. it takes immigrants two to three years to settle down um, and to start feeling like, you know, they have a few friends, they're comfortable now. But um, we moved almost every year mm. or sometimes even six months. Oh, my so, goodness. Um, for, for example, I've lived in six cities, you know, in, in the short time that I've been here, like 13 years, six mm-hmm. cities. Wow. Um, and so I never got the chance, actually, to call a church my family or to make right deep connections and have community. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know what, I, when you were talking, it just reminds me that even if you've been raised in the faith, the yeah, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So you yeah. have, you think you're rooted and you have this community and you know what you know, but to be taken completely away from it, then it's really like a test of like, well, how strong are you really? Well, uh, and I who think do you that, know who, who you are? I think that happens a lot. Like yeah. I think it, no matter whether you're from India and coming yeah. to America or whether you're an American, yeah, you have you have things that happen in your walk of life that shake you. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of determines how your faith yeah. in Christ really stands because right. you have to stand on your own, right? I mean, I'm sure you were very comfortable in India because mm-hmm. everything was comfortable when but when that foundation was shaken you had to really dig deep to find well and then you, you add to the fact that you you said mabel you're a brown skin girl right and so you talk yeah. different you look different and now you're coming to a place where that isn't the norm and that has always yeah. been the norm where you were. And so I can just imagine that would be like us being sent to India yes. and being talking well, different. I might be okay. You might be okay. Rhonda's I'm my brown skin girl, but um, yeah, I'd be on the fence. Um, but it's just so crazy because we don't think about those things. And you, um, I think it's an important lesson because as a parent, you think, well, if I raise them in the faith and they're strongly rooted and everything's great, but you don't know where you're going to be sent. Right. Mm-hmm. So very, yeah. very interesting. And then, um, so the term spiritual immigrant, how did you come up with that? And what does that mean to you? Um, I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) No, um, I am an immigrant, and that term immigrant technically refers to someone who has left their place of birth and now resides in another country. But I never saw myself as a spiritual immigrant, though Mm. I've been a believer since, you know, forever, until recently, until I became an immigrant and went through, um, you know, the, the struggles and the stress of, of being of living in a foreign country, mm-hmm. um, it really made me wrestle with with the basics of my faith, the fundamentals of my identity, and I think I hit 
rock bottom when I became a mother and mm. um, I felt more and more lonely and isolated and mm. I knew that God was the answer, uh, you know, for all the time that I was going through this. Um, but I didn't go to him with my problems. I was just trying to fix uh, my problems in, in, you know, temporary things, right. like trying to make friends and um, just uh, trying to stay entertained. And on my own, I was struggling, mm. even though I tried to pull myself up. So I decided the best course of action for me is to find a Bible study. And um, I had literally Googled Bible study near me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and whatever came up, I just went to the that place and later on I found out you know that this is a good organization it was Bible Study Fellowship oh I yeah of them. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for five years it's a great it's yes, a great yes. entity yeah love it yeah and and what that did to me was um made me go deeper into mm-hmm. God's word and yeah. I was just spending more time with him and not just that hearing other women talk about their journeys and their problems and their faith strengthened mine and mm. um, I started enjoying just spending more time with God mm. and um, he began to actually do a work in my heart and in my mind because then you know even if you looked at me at that point you would think I, I had no problems because on the surface I was okay mm-hmm. but inside all these you know questions and doubts were eating at me mm. and I lacked joy um, and I thought I had uh, what was my purpose you know here I am Nobody needs me. Mm. I don't know anyone. What am I supposed to do? So I I really was searching for purpose and meaning. And motherhood just complicated those issues mm. even more. Wow. Uh, and no joy and, and no hope. Um, and so when I started spending more time with God, that's when things started to turn around. And it wasn't an instant solution uh, that came to me. It just happened over time. But he reconstructed my attitudes and my thinking and opened my eyes to the fact that I am a spiritual immigrant and I had never thought about this aspect of my um, mm-hmm. identity, of my biblical identity before. Um, I wondered, why am I desperate for rootedness here on mm-hmm. earth when this is not my permanent home in the first place, you know? And so, wow. what, what, so what if I feel stuck between two cultures? Mm-hmm. Because that tension uh, I felt reminded me of the tension which inhabits me as a citizen of two different worlds, two different cultures, the culture of this world and the culture of the kingdom of God. And if I call myself a Christian, a disciple and a follower of Christ, then I am a foreigner on Mm -hmm. earth because the ways of this world are foreign to me since they are not the ways of the kingdom that I belong to. Um, So I think... um, to me, that uh, is what a spiritual immigrant means. One who knows that they are created, someone who knows that um, they are created to live on earth by design, but at the same time, uh, God has set eternity in, in our hearts, like, mm-hmm. you know, Ecclesiastes says. And mm-hmm. so we have this mysterious yearning for something more, something that mm-hmm. this yeah. earth with, or this world with all its pleasures um, cannot satisfy. And so seeing myself as a foreigner, as a stranger, as a sojourner who's just passing through, um, you know, this world helped me take the focus away from myself. It was no longer about, 
oh God, I, I, I don't have family. I don't have community. God, just uh, give me friends. God, I don't feel good about this. What's my purpose? It was all me, me, me. But then yeah. I started to ask, oh God, what do you want me to do here? What is my purpose? Mm-hmm. So you placed me in this apartment building in this community. So what's your purpose for me? And even um, teaching my son about God became a very joyful thing. I started enjoying being a mother. Mm-hmm. I started enjoying just being a child of God. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's about having an eternal perspective that we forget so much as, as believers that mm-hmm. uh, this this earth is not our home. And, and so, and, and even Paul says that we need to set our sights on heaven. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. To me, it means not getting too entangled in the affairs of the world, but to know that we are here for a short time and we have a purpose and we have a mission. So just get with it, you know, and I have to get myself out of the way and just do what God created me to do. Uh, so... I don't know if I answered my no, question. You, and I was love to it. It's so <laughs> wow. good. It's yeah. so good. I was sitting here thinking as you were saying that, because I was just talking to my husband about, you know, your purpose in life. And it's like, we do, we get caught up in mm-hmm. our careers mm-hmm. and what our, our roles or what yeah. our roles are and yeah, how we feel yet we are here destined to do a greater purpose. So, you know, whether that means that you're in ministry or you're working in a corporate job, like God has a purpose and a plan for you, why he's placed you in that place. And I think so many Christians get stuck in thinking, well, this is just my job. You know, I really am not being effective in this place. And God's like, no, you are actually supposed to be here to be the light in the dark of this place that you're in, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that because I have never felt more like a spiritual immigrant in my life than in this season right Mm -hmm. now in my life. Like, this, I know this is just a temporary place for me. Mm-hmm. Like I know that there is so much yeah. a place greater than I am going. Mm-hmm. And so I am really um, passionate about finding my purpose and really, yeah. you know, asking God to help me with that. So that was beautiful. Yeah. That was absolutely beautiful. It was such a good definition too, because even if um, you're not a believer, a lot of times the focus is on you 100%. Like they just, it's like, I'm not happy. I I don't get the right job. I don't have Mm -hmm. enough money. I don't have the right car. And it's all of those things, which none of those things are bad in themselves. I'm not saying we have to all be these, you know, like poverty. (laughs) Walking around in our sandals. But, but I think the description of it's so beautiful what you just said, because we are, just temporary beings mm-hmm. are, this isn't our final destination. And so many people yeah. forget that they just think that we have to have yeah. everything here. I always tell people when they kind of go on the, the want, want train, you know, like poor me, it's like, you're, you're, this isn't Nirvana. You're not supposed to have it be perfect here. I don't know what you're searching for, but this isn't, yeah. this isn't our final destination. So it's so great that you described it that way. And knowing that we're, he's not, we're not here so that he can just make us happy all the time. We're here on mission. Yes. And so, um, I yeah. love that you found, <laughs> and also I loved that you were honest, um, 
about saying, you know, that your happiness didn't come when you became a mom too, because a lot of people think that, well, if I just have a baby, that'll make me happy, but it actually adds more stress if you're already in a place where you're struggling. And so the honesty of that was, was not lost on me. Um, I, I really, you know, I love your honesty in that because it's like motherhood brings on a whole new set of like, uh, guilt and shame and like all these different things of, um, oh my gosh, I have to take care of this child and I'm sad. How do I help this child? And so the fact that you could go back and then find joy in teaching him, about God. And then that joy was expanding in you is beautiful. So, um, so I'm sure you did make some good friends in BSF because I know those ladies are amazing. (laughs) Um, so what, what do you think your passion and purpose is now? Um, you know, that's a good question. And I've been asking myself that, uh, a lot over the past few years. Um, even as a child and as a young person, I used to think, I, I was envious of people who mm. knew, you know, from the beginning what they wanted to be when they grew up, right? You know, those mm-hmm. kinds of people. I want to be a doctor and they've become doctors and that's what they do. Or I want to be an artist and they're on the right path and they, they, they've got the gifts, the resources to grow themselves into what they want to be. And for a long time, I wanted to be like that, but <laughs> I guess God had something different <laughs> because I've just been in so many roles and I just, I'm, I'm able to um, do different things and in different phases of my life, I've been, uh, for instance, um, in my 20s, I used to lead like a praise and dance worship team in my church in India. Awesome. And and now I'm, I'm, I'm a writer and speaker and I feel my mission now is to... Um, encourage believers mm. to, to keep an eternal perspective on life and see themselves as uh, immigrants on earth uh, mm. so that they're more passionate about God and more passionate about telling people about God. Um, but what I've realized is that purpose and, and calling cannot be put into these boxes of roles and, you know, titles of being mm-hmm. either a writer, a mother, mm. or, or a singer, or anything like that. It has to transcend all that because at whatever point in life or whatever phase in life you are and whatever uh, opportunities you have and uh, the doors that God is calling you to lean into, um, you know, they they can be different at different points of time. So I would have been a a youth leader or a a dance teacher at some point Mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm a writer. But overall, my passion and my purpose is to glorify God. Yeah. wherever I am placed and, and to, um, and I, I try never to forget, you know, the great commission. We are called to be the light so that people can mm-hmm. see us and yeah. uh, want to know the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, I think, I feel is the main mission uh, or purpose for me is to tell people about God or to show them what, uh, you know, living like a Christian looks like and to want mm-hmm. So that they want that for themselves. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, it's all about that. Shine a light so that yeah. um, they see Christ in you. And that, uh, and not to just live, um, you know, be, be happy with just being a Christian. You know, I've got God. God's got me. And we're happy. I'm going to heaven. I'm fine. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> That's just... 
Selfish. Who, do, who does that? That's selfish. Yeah. That's selfish. You got to bring some people with you. Yeah. So that, that's in short. I mean, not to. I used to get caught up in like thinking, okay, I need to be something. I need to be a writer or yeah. mother. This is my identity. This is my purpose. But um, it's just at whatever time in life, whichever phase in life, and whatever mm-hmm. you're going through, the problems that come, that you're put in, yeah. uh, or you're you're facing, yeah. right? Through that. Uh, it changes over time, mm-hmm. uh, but overall, it remains the same. If you have that in mind at the back of your mind somewhere, that can drive you to lead a purpose-driven life, no matter which role or which uh, what, what responsibility yeah. you've been given. Yeah, what kind of title you have or whatever. Yeah, and plus, I think showing who God is too, like through you, sh- like you said, showing all parts of you. It's not just the happy parts, you know, like showing people that. Yeah. As Christians, we struggle too. We still have, you know, things that happen within our family, things that happen in our, just within ourselves and being honest in that, but still showing um, the faith and the joy within that too is good. So, um, so I have a question. What is your most favorite thing to do when you do go back to India? Cause I read some of your stuff on your website and I, I wanted to go there with you cause you were like the sights and the smells. <laughs> and I was like, I want to go. <laughs> so what's your favorite thing to yeah. do? Oh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just being with family because my yeah. parents, um, are in India and even my husband's side, uh, his parents, his siblings, my sister. So it's just about being with family and even my extended family. I love hanging out with all of them and mm-hmm. I just get busy, you know, every day I have a uh, appointment to go see some aunt or uncle and I just <sighs> enjoy that and they pamper me. They food is a big thing for oh, me. Yes. So I just I love Indian food. <laughs> eat my heart out. Um, um but, you know, one thing I always say, I go to India to rest and relax. Um, mm. That's my biggest thing because, I don't know, just the minute I land from, you know, in the airport, yeah, I just breathe a sigh yeah. of relief. Like, <laughs> that's and, so um, great. Even physically in terms of relief, right? Because yeah. we have a lot of household help in India. So I never actually did a lot of domestic chores till I came oh. to America because in India you have I'm moving to India. That's that silver spoon in your mouth. I'm moving to India. I need a maid. <laughs> Somebody will do my laundry. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be um, rich or anything. Even most middle class or low, low middle class families, everyone hires help to do things for them. Wow. So That's why they're I so relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I don't worry about cleaning, cooking, uh, nothing Aww. like that. You know, uh, even if I want to cook, I just cook. Someone preps, someone cleans. So I Best part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my number. I, have, I have an agreement with my husband. If I cook, he has to clean because I don't want to do both here. things at the same time. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. So we yeah. have one last question for you, Mabel, and it's our standard question. So what would you tell your 22 year old self? Okay. Um, no, this is easy. That uh, I would tell my 22-year-old self that a good career and a good husband is not going to make you happy. Ooh, love that. <laughs> Mic <Mind> drop. <laughs> Preach, girl. Preach. At the top of my mind uh, when I was 22, I, I yeah. had to uh, work hard and uh, 
have a good career and I have to find myself a good husband and that's going to make me happy. Yeah. No. <laughs> wow. wow. That's amazing. I that love that. Awesome. Love that piece of advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mabel. Your story is amazing. And um, kind of a funny side note is one of our largest platforms is actually Ghana Radio. That's one of the ones that we have the most um, listeners on. And so that's kind of interesting. So I'm excited for uh, that community to hear this um, interview as well. But 24 Care. Oh, by the way, I forgot to ask you, where (laughs) can we find you, Mabel, on social media? Oh, oh, yeah. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my hand on Instagram is Mabel underscore Ninen. Um, and on my website, um, you can sign up for my newsletter if you go to my website, MabelNinen.com. Awesome. Well, we can't wait for our community to connect with you. And thank you, 24 Karat Tribe, for joining us today. You can always find us at 24 Karat Conversations Podcast on Instagram. Also on Facebook, please join our Facebook group, 24 Karat Conversations. And until next time, 24 Karat Tribe, sparkle on. Bye, peeps. Bye.